Hello, everyone. You're listening to Her Voice, a podcast from The Choice, the media powered by ESCP Business School and dedicated to decision makers. Today, you'll hear the voice of Sandra Ray, a talented social entrepreneur with an expertise in industrial design and sustainable lighting. If you want to find out how glow-in-the-dark bacteria may one day replace regular city lights, stick with us. My name is Lara. I'm the Digital Communication Manager at ESCP Business School, and I'm hosting this podcast with my colleague and Brand Content Manager, Emily. Hi, everyone. We are super excited to start this podcast adventure, which is guided by one really important mission, to give the mic to women experts and listen to what they have to say. Today, we've invited a special guest to talk about her creative solution for something we often take for granted, lighting. In Europe, lighting is key to addressing energy poverty and making our cities and buildings more sustainable. In the words of Franz Timmermans, the executive vice president for the European Green Deal, we want everyone in Europe to have a home they can light, heat, or cool without breaking the bank or breaking the planet. So, how we light our buildings, homes, and cities will be an increasingly important question as the EU works to be carbon neutral by 2050. When talking about sustainable lighting, we often think of LEDs. But what if nature could give us another option? So our first guest, Sandra Ray, is the founder and CEO of Glowy, a startup with the ambition to revolutionize the way we light up our spaces and cities thanks to bioluminescence. Sandra holds a master's degree in industrial design as well as certificates in social entrepreneurship from ESCP Business School and INSEAD. She was featured on the prestigious MIT Technology Review's Innovators Under 35 list and Forbes 30 Under 30. So hello, Sandra. Thank you for joining us today. We're so happy to have you as our first guest. How are you doing? How are you keeping up during these difficult times? I'm okay. I'm okay. Great. I look forward to what's coming next and don't look at the past. So that's cool. You're our first guest on Her Voice, and we would love to know more about you. So uh, could you tell us about the woman behind The Voice? Yes, so um, I'm a 30-year-old mom <laughs> first. I have been doing some design studies. I've always dreamed of doing something with my hand and something that's mixed creativity with giving shapes and, and reality to things. So I did some uh, industrial design studies. And during that uh, master degree in design, I discovered that design was more than just designing objects, but was about designing the future, mm -hmm. uh, the, the system, the ecosystems of everything. And I had the chance to um, realize student contests during this uh, this master degree that was about biology. That's where I discovered the greatness of nature and what it has to to offer us. And that's where uh, Glowy's adventure started almost seven years ago now. So in talking about nature and, and what Laura announced in our intro, we're, we're talking clearly about one particular aspect, bioluminescence. So diving a little deeper into that, from what I've understood, bioluminescence is the light produced by chemical reactions in a living organism. I think for most of us, when we hear that, we kind of think of those animals that live, live at the deepest part of the ocean, or I guess maybe fireflies. But I'm sure what I'm saying is a big oversimplification. How, could you explain bioluminescence to those listening to the podcast? 
Well, actiobioluminescence is the fact that some species can produce light, biologically speaking. So, um, as you said, it is a biochemical reaction that happens in nature. It happens in animals like fireflies, glowworms, or uh, mushrooms on Earth. It's pretty rare on the surface. But if you look at what's going on in the ocean, uh, more than 80% of the marine organisms that we know are actually able to produce bioluminescence. So, this is something that is very ordinary to do that light. And so basically, they have uh, genes in their DNA that can produce two molecules that mix together with oxygen to create a photon. Uh, so the light reaction. So that it's a reaction that it's totally independent from the sun or from external light. It's really an internal thing that's going on. And sometimes it is uh, inside the DNA of the organisms, like fireflies. And sometimes it is in the DNA of some microorganisms, like bacteria, for example, And those bacteria are living inside fish or squid and allow these animals to actually produce light. And at Glowy, we are working with this little bacteria to produce our biomescence raw material. How did you first come across bioluminescence? And, and what made you think, yes, this could be an alternative light source? When I, I was a student, I had this uh, contest about biology. We start working on light and we saw these um, videos on deep ocean creatures. And we were like, okay, so these creatures are able to produce biological lights. We have lighting problems, issues uh, in terms of environmental impact of lighting. And in the same time, we have technologies and I will say biotechnologies that allow us to basically imitate what, um, what, what these species are able to do. And bioluminescence have been known for more than 30 years in the lab. So uh, we know how to do this biological light. And so we were like, okay, so if this fish can do that and we have the tools, why not work on that to solve the, the big issues of the environmental impact of lighting? So that's how it started with a nice PowerPoint presentation and nice Photoshop <laughs> pictures, which with, we, we basically won the contest. And then the wow. adventure starts, started here. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's impressive to realize that, you know, you can be inspired by something like this in nature that that seems so common, but at the same time, we don't know exactly how it works. Yeah. And you bring up, of course, the the environmental aspect of uh, and the impact of, of this technology and this potential for, for light sources. When you've talked about this on your TED Talks and things like that, we come back to that environmental impact. And according to the most recent numbers from the United Nations, it looks that lighting currently accounts for over 15% of the world's electricity consumption and 5% of global greenhouse gas emissions. It's clear that these figures are encouraging cities to adopt more sustainable practices to consider alternatives. Could you tell us a little bit more about this creative solution that you found? What are, what are the advantages of bioluminescence for lighting? So uh, if I can just come back to the numbers that you gave, it only concerns when, so the electricity consumption, so basically the consumption phase of the lights. And we always look at only when we consume these products. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the story, these products are produced in very polluting ways. And also the end of life is, is causing a lot of problems because uh, most of the components are non-recyclable. So when you look at and you, and you have an approach like we have uh, using living things and nature, then the approach is much more global and has to uh, do with the, the entire life cycle of the solution. So that's also something that we 
we defend with using bioemissions is that we can produce the biosourced and biodegradable light. So that will make the difference in the future to stop consuming uh, limited resources from the planet and stop producing waste that we don't know what to do with and that create pollution. So we really look at the problem with a global uh, mm -hmm. vision on the environmental impact and not just the use of electricity, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the, the first point. So and, and when you see uh, about how light is today used in the cities with all the municipalities that we talked to we realized that they don't really know why do they light up so much with huge intensities they, they tend to know now that it has a huge impact both of course on, on the build but also on biodiversity and on the attractiveness of the cities and the comfort of the citizens that live in it so um Uh, light is a universal need. Uh, we need it. The solution cannot be just to switch off every light. And the tests that have been conducted in that direction show that it won't work because it creates dark darkness in the cities and then a feeling of insecurity and things like that. So they know that they have to find alternative solution that will be more respectful for the environment, create more well-being in the cities. So what we offer with Barnison's is the possibility to think about lighting in a different way. This light is is not a punctual light like a bulb. It's a liquid, so it can take different shapes. Mm -hmm. So it's also a way to create new ways of lighting, not just by using the traditional lamp posts, reducing the global intensities while still creating this uh, feeling of comfort and well-being. So that's really uh, a philosophy behind lighting that we work on with the um, The, the clients, it's how should we light the cities tomorrow and not how to replace just a bulb. And that's that's a hard part, but that's also the interesting part by uh, using bioemissions. Yeah. It's clear that this is part of a yeah broader discussion on on what is the purpose of light and what are we trying what effect are we trying to have in our cities, in our homes as well, and in our other spaces that we're lighting. How, you know, you mentioned that you can use it in a different variety of formats. This allows a lot more flexibility. Could you tell us a bit more on the technical side, how Glowy's lights work? So what we do is that, so we use a marine bioemissions bacteria. So we have a big selection phase, then we improve them in the lab to make them more efficient. At the end of the story, we have a, a nutritive medium, which is basically uh, like seawater, where we put these bacteria and the product that we offer is kind of, a, of an aquarium. So the goal is that the bacteria will uh, stay alive, will keep reproduce, and there is always new population of bacteria able to produce this, um, this biological light. So the, the system is fed by, by these nutrients in order to keep this culture of bacteria grow and be able to produce light. So that's also a, a very new approach in terms of, uh, of how do we... Do we uh, keep this light alive? How do we create a new link to that living systems? And that's also something that's interesting for us to work on, on how to also make people more responsible of mm -hmm. what they, they consume by realizing that this is living and we have to keep them in, in good faith in order to, to have our light produced. How long does a, a light keeps glowing? How often do you have to replace them? 
So the system is linked to the water network, so the water is coming in and we put nutrients, so that's the maintenance part. We have to put somehow nutrients in the system. So depending on how do we stock it, then it can be uh, every day with very small installation or every uh, several months uh, uh, with different ones. But as soon as the system is fed and there is no, we say contamination, which means that there is no other kind of bacteria or microbe that enter the system that are not biomescent mm -hmm. and basically get fed with our nutritive medium and make our biomycin bacteria disappear, then it will last forever. So okay. I, I don't want to say it's forever because yeah. it's never forever. Contaminations happen, yeah. then there is no nutrients and there is a problem happening. But the good thing is that we only need a few milliliters of bacteria mm -hmm. to start the system. So that's what we do at the beginning. And then as soon as we have this, uh, these nutrients coming in, then the, the culture will grow and keep growing. Oh, it's like an ecosystem in your own light bulb, exactly like an aquarium. Yeah. I have a really simple question. Just to understand, how can you turn that on and off like you do yeah. light bulbs in your house? <laughs> well, the way we can turn light on and off is playing with oxygen. So we have air coming inside the system uh, because, as I mentioned, uh, it's a chemical reaction that needs oxygen to, to happen. So uh, when you, you cut this, uh, this air flow, then the lights immediately switch off because the biomescence reaction is not happening. So this is a way to, to switch off. We have to realize that biomescence is a light of the night. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a light that you will see under the sun anyway. Uh, so um, the goal is more to say how can we spend the uh, how can we save the energy of our bacteria during the day uh, so mm -hmm. that they don't produce light to not use their own energy mm -hmm. and give it at night. I understand that you have some corporate partners already using this technology. Do you have some examples of, of how it can be used today? Yeah. So our goal is to put biomedicines in the cities. Mm -hmm. So we're working on that. Uh, we are working on the first uh, pilot project with the city of Rambouillet next to Paris in, in putting the first uh, urban furniture, biomedicine urban furniture life. So this will happen in, in the next month. Wow. So we are, we are working very hard on it because uh, it's kind of challenging to put this technology on the outside uh, because of the mm. variation temperatures, because yeah. of the fact that we don't, that we have to have costs that are very competitive. Yeah. So that's the, the next step and that's the, the ambition of Glowy. And what we have done so far, so we've started with doing a lot of ephemeral installations for events with a more uh, pedagogical point of view in order to explain what it is, to show what it is and to explain why it is important to, um, to change the way we do mm -hmm. that now. And uh, what we've also done is that we've created, we've realized that this light is so relaxing yeah. when you see it and it's so fascinating. And we've created with that a uh, relaxation experience room, which is called the Glothen Room, mm -hmm. that is installed already in, in an hotel uh, in France. And the goal is to basically prototype the fact that we can have biomedicine installation remotely controlled and working continuously. So that was the, the first step that we did uh, at the beginning of 2020 uh, with this glowing room. I wanted to know a little bit more of, of that wellness side of bioluminescence and this glow zen room. So light has a very, very important it affects a lot uh, as humans. We are uh, basically our days and night are the, the rhythm come from the, the rhythm come from the light. So yeah. light has a huge impact on us. And what we figure out with biomedicine is that so first the the color, which is the basically a blue green mm -hmm. uh, 
blue-green color, it is known for its relaxing properties. So that, that I think the first thing is about this color of light is affecting our brain um, as, as a relaxation uh, tool. But also what we figure out is that this light is very smooth. So you can basically look at it and see what's around without being tired or affecting your brain. And you really realize that when you're in a room with biomedicine, you stay for 15 minutes and then you go outside mm-hmm. with normal light and then you're like, okay, that's, that's <laughs> awful. See the difference, yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's something that's interesting in the relaxation experience is that you can basically see things, uh, but without being disturbed or tired or from either your eyes or your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that's very interesting. It basically reproduces the, the phenomenon when you, you can look at a fire for mm-hmm. several hours without doing anything, just to be fascinated. And um, I think it gives the same impression. And I, I think this is also because you know that it's living, that it's mm-hmm. coming from nature, and it gives you very nice images of fireflies, uh, forest of fireflies or barmicent waves. And the, the fact that you create this link to nature is something that is known to be uh, relaxing and help your wellness. We we need nature to yeah. basically uh, live. So that's something that's very important. It's called the biophilic uh, re- relation to nature. And uh, this is principles that are applied also mm-hmm. on architecture, urbanisms and stuff. And this is something that's important to create this link to nature to feel good. It seems like the science and tech industries still have an issue with gender diversity. For example, as of 2019, only 11% of executive positions in Silicon Valley companies were held by women. However, by choice or by default, a growing number of women decide to become self-employed and start their own business. But female entrepreneurs still face many challenges linked to gender discrimination such as the struggle to be taken seriously and the difficulty to raise funds. A 2019 Columbia Business School study actually found that female-led ventures are 63% less likely to receive venture capital funding. Sandra, despite the obstacles you may have faced along the way, you started your own biotech company. What convinced you to do so? And what steps did you go through to build your business? So um, after the, the contest in 2013, we had a lot of uh, medias coming in because of the we won the contest. So something was created like a wave of attraction. Yeah. Uh, a lot of clients came, a lot of prospects came, cities, uh, energy companies and stuff. They came to us and say, okay, where can we buy that? And we're like, <laughs> it's, it's a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> so that the, the idea started to grow and we kind of realized that there was distraction and this need from the clients to change the way they light. And then I, I did the, the certificate in, um, at ESCP Business School. And what that this uh, education gave me is the fact to say, okay, I can take six months to try to do something. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was like, okay, I need to find a job. I almost didn't do the ESCP uh, business program because yeah. uh, I, I thought I had to find a job right after my, my design degree. So that gave me the thing saying, okay, six months is nothing. And I, I can give the, the time to see if something was possible. So after that, I met someone that basically offered us an incubation program mm-hmm. um, with, with a lab bench, which was something that we needed. At this point, I had never seen biomedicine in my life. Uh, and it, I was talking about it for a year already, yeah. but I had never seen biomedicine. And so I decided to join the program. I hired um, a biotech intern. 
And he did he did a good job, I guess. I really saw that in four months I will have an industrial product and we'll be able to sell it to the world. That's not what happened. I learned what biotech is and basically I I knew that it was gonna take a longer than I expected. But um the traction was still going on and a lot of things was happening and I was like, okay, I cannot stop after that. So we did this first proof of concept, mm-hmm. which was basically having a bit of light that we needed to be doing 50 minutes in a very, very dark room to see. Yeah. But it was here uh, and it was exciting. And I was like, okay, something is happening. I have to give me another chance. So then I, I decided to to keep going. I met someone who told me that uh, if I was not able to find money, investment for the next 15 days for 15,000 euros, I would not convince anyone. And I'm a bad entrepreneur. So I took it very seriously, which was not the point, I guess. But uh, I, I kind of did a, a personal loan. And then a few weeks later, I did another content, the one minute pitch in the um, elevator of the Eiffel Tower. And then I won uh, 100 thousand euro which was basically the start of everything Mm -hmm. so i really what i did is that i took all the opportunities that i saw so opportunities were coming which is already something very good but i also took it and was like okay let's i know that i can still bring something to the project so let's keep going and that's how i i basically build the company coming up with an idea and turning it into a viable business must require a very different set of skills how did your training and experience as a designer help you well, I think designers are very good entrepreneurs because what we what we learn in, in design school is that to take care of the users, the clients, to understand what they want and to basically give them what they want. So in terms of creating offers, developing a company, that's always the best approach, I think, to uh, take care of what users want. So that's the first thing. And the other thing is that as a designer, we are are formed into, uh, we are trained into uh, basically asking questions. The goal is to answer the, the right issue and to answer the right issue, you have to be sure that you know why you're asking this question and why you need to find a solution. And my role as, um, I will say, a CEO, but also a, a designer in this company is not to do the products because I'm not able to do that anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to always uh, talk to my team and, and try to be sure that they answer the good questions to find the right solution. And that I think that's a very, that's a design approach. Mm-hmm. And that's especially very interesting when uh, designers are not experts. They're experts in, in nothing, but they are able to talk to basically any kind of job because they have the ability to... Um, to ask good, the good questions. As I don't have any competencies that have my team, I have to have this role, just ask questions. I can't help them answer that, but I need to be sure that they answer the same question and that's a very design approach. I read a quote of yours on social media that said, I believe that being a non-expert helps you to be more creative and find solutions. In fact, you're not a scientist. You're an industrial designer. How has being a non-expert helped you build your company? And who have you surrounded yourself with to make it possible? Yeah, so today we are 15 people. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of them are scientists, mm-hmm. uh, biologists, electrophysicists, a lot of different specialties, uh, technical specialties. And the other part of it is very pluridisciplinary, communication, design, of mm-hmm. course, uh, finance, operations. What I realized is that, first, uh, you cannot learn how to build a company and how to do entrepreneurship 
and entrepreneurship is hard. So it's good mm -hmm. that you don't know that when you start. Yeah. Because otherwise, maybe you will. <laughs> I would have made that choice. Yeah. <laughs> But when you hear that, that you just keep going. And second, I learned how, what is biotech. And mm -hmm. if I knew what was biotech, maybe I, I, sh I, I wouldn't take the decision either. So, um, So that's why I'm saying being a non-expert mm -hmm. is cool because you have less barriers. Mm -hmm. You're also more free on the collaboration that you take, on the people that you work with. So that, that, that I think it, it brought a lot to the company. The COVID-19 pandemic has triggered a global economic recession. But more positively, it has caused an acceleration of remote working. And as a result, there was a sharp increase in demand for technology. Companies such as Zoom, Amazon, Netflix, and Google saw their revenues peak through the crisis. So it seems that tech giants have emerged from this crisis stronger than ever. But Glowy is still a young company in the sector of biotech. So how has the pandemic affected you? Yeah, well, I think that the hardest part is that we had a very, the year before COVID was very hard for us because we had, mm -hmm. an, we had an internal financial crisis and stuff mm -hmm. and we had to okay. rebuild the whole team after several months of wow. really struggling. Mm -hmm. I also had a baby, which was not oh. that easy to handle in the <laughs> yeah, same time. But, but then we were really starting to like rebuild ourselves mm -hmm. and, and reborn from very, very far. And then two months after that, the COVID came. So that was the difficult part is mm -hmm. that We struggled so much and we were not ready to struggle one year more. We, we were really uh, going well. So that was the most difficult part. The, the thing is that the revenues that we generate today, well, I should talk with the past, but was on events, which are not happening anymore, <laughs> yeah. and on the hospitality sector, which mm. is suffering a lot. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was the two commercial developments that we were really building during the whole 2019 year and, and was starting really, really well at the beginning of 2020. So this had to stop. Yeah. Uh, but And I think that's why also the tech companies are not going that bad. It's because, unfortunately, we don't live with our revenues. Uh, we are uh, dependent from external funding okay. for now. So um, the fact that we didn't have revenues or not as much as we expected was not, okay, we're going to die. But we had to still uh, find new, new um, funding. Yeah. So we were lucky last year to get a big, big funding from the European Commission. Mm -hmm. That basically uh, saved us and made us um, really uh, focus on not commercial developments for now, but really uh, product developments, mm -hmm. research and development in order to um, to create the best product for the cities that we could. That was hard, but that was also a way to focus the company, all the people in the same direction. Yeah. So today we are in a good period. We, we grow. We have uh, the, the the team has doubled in the last few months so that's that's cool uh, but yeah that's it and and the thing that we think now is that we we will never have imagined something like that mm -hmm. happen and we're like okay so what's going to happen next that we we are not able to <laughs> <Yeah>. imagine so <laughs> uh, that's the only thing but we live with uncertainty so yeah uh, that's well, you the have thing to. that we do mm, yeah for sure so what's next for glowy what are your goals for the near future So the goal, the first goal is to succeed in the pilot project in order to prove that another model is, is possible mm -hmm. and to say to the world that we are here if they want to change the way they, they use light and mm -hmm. if they want to have a, a big impact. Mm -hmm. And the goal then is, of course, to deploy um, our, our products to build a catalog of three, five products and to work on projects that will be uh, symbolic to really um, give this message of we can change the way we, we light today. You mentioned having some setbacks and challenging moments as you've launched Glowy. 
How did you confront those negative opinions and keep moving forward? Well, I think there is always been negative opinion, especially when you try to change things. Hmm. And especially when you're a 23-year-old designer running a biotech company <laughs> that knows nothing about it. So there is always be this person. So I try to not listen to them and try to focus on the hundred ones, other ones that, that gives good feedback. The, the good thing with Glowy, and we were lucky about that, is that we always had this kind of visibility in the media. And so a lot of feedbacks from citizens, from mm -hmm. uh, communities, from um, from the press. And that's also what's feed, feed us, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. to say that, okay, people want us to change. We, we, had, uh, we have around 80... 800 private investors who invested in the company. So we know that people are counting on us and, and that's what basically gives us the, the strength to do. And when we face a big, big challenge in terms of company, I try to separate myself between Sandra Ray, the, the person, and Sandra Ray, the CEO that mm -hmm. has responsibilities. And I try to uh, be sure that the... Because my responsibility as a CEO is that the company survives in the best condition, of course, but it has to survive. Uh, and, and so when I took decisions, I need to be aligned with... It's, I make this decision, the hard decision, because I need the company to survive uh, and I'm okay with it uh, as a person. Yeah, I'm sure that's a lot easier said than done, but it's an yeah. important <laughs> thing to keep in mind. <laughs> so it is clear that you are deep in the research and development phase, which means there are many steps ahead before bioluminescence becomes a viable global lighting solution but you're on the right path. Let's fast forward 100 years. We are in 2121. How would you like cities to have transformed by then? Our goal would be that biosense is not just a weird thing that mm -hmm. scientists are doing in the lab, but just the, the obvious solution. When you talk about lighting, we don't tend to say that Biomedicine will replace all kinds of lighting on the planet. And I think that's not the good approach when you're talking about the environment, not have this radical approach of trying to find the miracle solution that will basically change everything. So I'm not thinking on, on replacing everything, but saying that every place where biomedicine is a good solution and is the best one, that is just a, an evidence and it has become a standard on the market. No, but that, that, that's understandable. You know, have to, at one hand, be optimistic and planning for the future you want, but at the same time, realistic that, that this technology is not going to serve every single need that we have because they're diverse and yeah. it's, lighting is a global, global need. Um, but I understand definitely having that mentality of, of going for where it's the best fit and where it can have the most impact. Yeah, and I, I, what I would love is that basically anyone will be able to grow its own biomedicine bacteria and to use mm. it for a lot of different purposes that will really be a different approach and step, but maybe it will happen. Maybe not in 100 years, but maybe 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not in 2121, but in 3021. <laughs> wow, that'd be so cool to like grow your own light <laughs> yeah. inside your house. Wow, that'd be amazing. Yeah, in terms of thinking of the of the future, though, um, Particularly in Paris, where where you operate and where you, you know you're working with a already Rombouillet, which is not too far outside of Paris, we are called here the city of lights. Do you think Paris could become the city of biological lights? Yes, of course it could. Um, 
to be honest, Paris is not the easiest city because when you want to change everything, it's easier for us to to work on brand new projects like new eco neighborhoods, mm-hmm. big uh, renovation projects and stuff. And Paris is kind of like fixed. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, uh, so that's not the 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 first city where you're gonna see all bioemissions. But for sure, um, it should become the the city of biological lighting. And um, yeah, I think that will be amazing that we manage to really change the whole city, uh, like Paris, to mm-hmm. to give the good message. Maybe one day light the Eiffel Tower with bioluminescence. Yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra, for sharing your expertise with us. You've had quite a successful journey so far, and we hope it's going to keep going that way. To conclude the episode, this first episode of Her Voice, we wanted to ask you if you could share with us one piece of advice on finding your voice. Well, it is trust your gut. Like when you have passion, then you will manage to do things. So just do it. But you need passion to do what you what you want to do uh, because of course it's hard it's long uh, you need to be patient so um yeah just trust what you have inside and if you convince us something and you're not the only one that you manage mm-hmm. to convince other ones also <laughs> then just do it you've just listened to the first episode of her voice a podcast from the choice escp business school's media dedicated to inspiring today and tomorrow's business leaders The voice you heard today was Sandra Reyes, a social entrepreneur, CEO, and founder of Glowy, who may one day light up the Eiffel Tower with bioluminescence. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more women experts, scientists, and CEOs, tune in to the next episodes of Her Voice. <laughs>